God for his goodness towards us. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. We've been talking the last few weeks about praying the scriptures. We're going to do that again this morning. Uh, and again, just reminding you why it is so significant that we do this. Because again, so many times we get stuck. Uh, it is easy for us to lose sight of all of the, the needs around us. It is easy for us to have limited vision and not see... Uh, all the things sometimes that are going on with our family. Sometimes uh, sometimes families can be together in the same house and be totally oblivious to the true things that are going on with the, within the other people in their house. Uh, the same thing in our churches. We can be oblivious to the things that are going on with other people in our churches and in our communities. Uh, and in that, sometimes we become limited. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray, and we end up just praying for healing and, and safety and those kind of things. And again, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but the Bible says we should pray for those kind of things. But there is such a greater depth uh, that we can find in, in understanding the things that we should pray for and understanding the way that God wants to work in us. And I'm not saying it's because we have some some sort of formula we pray, and then all of a sudden God's going to give us all of these things. But I'm saying it is because when we see the Scriptures and we begin to pray the things that the Scriptures say, we are aligning our heart with the heart of Scripture. We are taking the things that the Bible says are important, and we are praying those over ourselves, our families, uh, our friends, and our communities. In that, you can be sure that you are praying the heart of God for your friends and family and community. You can be sure of that. You don't have to wonder, uh, you know, what, what is God's will here in, in my community or in my church or my family. You don't have to wonder what that is. When you pray these things, you are praying the heart of God for his people. You're praying the heart of God for those who are lost. Uh, so, again, what I'm telling you here is, now, first, recognize that you can take the things that the scriptures say and you can pray them, but if you do it heartlessly, it means nothing. It's the same as any prayer. You can pray for healing. If you do it heartlessly, it means nothing. You can pray for safety, protection, anything like that. If you do it without your heart being directed towards God in sincerity, it is all for nothing. This is the same thing here. I'm not telling you the moment that you start praying scripture that all these amazing things are going to happen. That depends on your heart. And if you're willing to see something through also, because sometimes we get into this, this uh, uh, place where we begin praying about something and we pray for a couple of days and nothing has happened, so we just give up. Right? God wants his people to persevere in him and see something through. So the point is that we're taking what the Bible says, the heart of Scripture, what God's heart is, it is revealed in Scripture. We are praying that then for ourselves, our families, our friends, in our communities. That is why we're doing this. Um, So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. uh, If you read the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1, before we get to this, he is outlining all of these things when he addresses his letter to the church in Ephesus. He is talking about all of the spiritual blessings that are available to the people in Christ, uh, uh, you know, that they've been given salvation and hope in him and all of that that God has chosen to work in their lives, all these things that he is outlining. And then in verse 15, he prays for them. 
So he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, uh, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. In every way. So again, he's outlining in the beginning of chapter 1 all of these spiritual blessings, and then he goes on to pray for them, asking, so starting in verse 17, he's asking them, pray, when he prays to God, he is asking for these people, he is asking that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know him. Again, verse 17, I keep asking the God and the Lord of God and that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Uh, I like the way the King James Version says it here, that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he says, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. revelation. And we understand, I believe, that the Bible Uh, outlines that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is the Holy Spirit that God has given to us through Christ to dwell with us forever. John chapter 14, verse 16, Christ said this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He will give you another advocate, or some versions say comforter, and and he will help you and be with you forever. So the Bible says that Christ, again, when he was... In this moment, in John chapter 14, it was when he was talking to his disciples about how he was going to be leaving them. He had walked with them for all of these years, helping them and teaching them. And all of a sudden, he's telling them that I'm going to be leaving you. I'm not coming back at this moment, off in the future. Obviously, he taught them that. But what he's saying is, I'm not going to be in your presence in this moment. But when I leave, I will send you an advocate or a comforter to be with you and help you forever. You understand what we're seeing here is that one of the ways that the Spirit advocates, the Spirit advocates for us before the Father, but He is also, His role in our lives is to reveal to us the heart of God, to reveal to us the nature of God, who God is. I think about it this way. Uh, um, A.W. Tozer wrote in one of his books, I can't even remember which one at this point, but uh, he's talking about how in the old, under the Old Covenant and uh, Isaac and Rebekah, you know, Abraham had sent his servant back to the land uh, of his fathers to get a, uh, a wife for Isaac. And uh, uh, it says that the servant went to, to uh, get a wife for him. And, you know, all of the things that, that happened, he stayed overnight with them and all those kind of things. And he was, when he was there, he was talking to them about what was happening. He was telling the family of, of Rebecca what was happening, 
off in this distant land, how he got there, why he is there, all of these things. He's talking about uh, his master, all of these things. And it says that, you know, they left to go back to uh, uh, Isaac together to meet him. You can imagine along that way how many questions she would have had about the one that she was going to meet. As they, I mean, she, this guy just shows up and says, this guy over here, we're, we're going to take you to marry this guy if, you want, if, if you're willing to go. And she just leaves her family to go to this distant land to marry this guy. You can imagine she probably had a lot of questions. There were a lot of things that she wanted to know along the way. And you see, that is the exact illustration of the Spirit of God in his work in our lives. Abraham had sent his servant to go get the wife, and all along this way, as they are traveling through this foreign land to get back to uh, the, the groom, the spirit, the, the servant would have been testifying of his master. And that is exactly what happens in our lives as we walk on this earth. You see, the God of heaven has not left us to ourselves in this world, but he has sent us a comforter. And as we walk in union with him, as we walk towards that moment in heaven to be with Christ, the spirit God's servant is testifying to us the goodness of God. It's the same exact thing. We see that picture. God knew what he was doing in the Old Covenant. He was, all through the Old Testament, he was creating these pictures of spiritual things to come. And there was no mistake in that moment that Abraham sent his servant and he would be talking to Rebekah all this way as she was going to meet her groom. He was testifying of the goodness of God. His master. It's the same way in our lives today. The Spirit of God advocates, comforts, testifies to us the goodness of God. Uh, the Bible says that He will teach us again in John fourteen twenty six. It says, "But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you." He actively testifies again, John fifteen twenty six. When the Advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who co- who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. Uh, or testify means to bear witness. He will guide us into truth, John 16, uh, starting verse 13. But when he, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, the heart of God for his church, is that we may step into the spirit of wisdom and revelation that has been given to us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, The Greek words there um, for wisdom simply means, uh, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, knowledge. It says the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So that's talking about full or thorough knowledge, discernment or recognition, precise Correct knowledge. Spirit of, spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him, meaning precise and correct knowledge. So what the Spirit of God does in our life, the things that Paul is praying for these people, the things that we would turn around then and pray for ourselves and for our churches and our communities, is the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in precise and correct knowledge of who God is so that we would know the fullness of who he actually is because that makes a huge difference. You see, everything that we do hinges on our conception of who God is. Everything. I mean, even as a church, there are times that I I believe that churches are going to be called to things that they don't necessarily at the moment have the means to accomplish. Whether that's financial or whether that's with our strength or whatever it is, God is going going to call us to things that are beyond ourselves because if He calls us to things that we can accomplish by our own financial means or our own power, we are able to say, hey, look at what we did. You see, God is going to call us to things beyond that because then we say, hey, look what God did. Precise and correct knowledge of God. When we have an elevated view of who God is, we look at the situations that confront us and our immediate reaction isn't, well, we don't have the money for that. We don't have enough people for that. I've been in a lot of church meetings. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in all of my experience with churches and and. Church of God state meetings and things. I've been in a lot of meetings where the first thing that came up was, well, we don't have money for that. Sometimes we don't have the money for that. Sometimes we're not supposed to do that. But sometimes we need to entertain the idea that God is calling you and I beyond ourselves. That doesn't just have to be in the church. That might be you individually. God might be calling you to something that you don't have the means to, to, uh, to live up to in yourself. I am a great example of that. This is the last thing, by the world standards, this is the last thing in the world I should be doing. I am not, I am not outgoing. I am not somebody, when you think of a pastor by a lot of people's standards, they should be somebody who's outgoing and just amazing with people. It is, it is work for me to do those things well. I don't, it is by the strength of God because I don't have that in me. I don't know why on earth he would create somebody that way and say, hey, go do this. I have no idea. But you see, that is what he calls us to things that are not of ourselves because he wants to be the one who gets the glory for what is accomplished. That's not just me. There are a lot of things I know that you all do for God that he has called you to that you've had to use, tap into his strength because you didn't have it in yourself. That is a good place to be. And all I am saying in this is we have to have an elevated view of God, precise and correct knowledge of who he is, because if we don't, we will be subjected to a lifetime as individuals in the church of just trying to do whatever we can organize in ourselves. And that will have no eternal impact. The only thing of eternal value is what God can accomplish. And it is when we have an elevated view of who he is that we see him accomplish those things because I am not limited by human means anymore. Because when I look at a situation, I know that I serve the God that is in authority over all things, has strength to accomplish all things, has the might, the justice, the righteousness, the mercy, the love to accomplish everything that is beyond what we can do in ourselves. It is by him. You see, we have to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him or in precise and correct knowledge of who he is. Uh, So the next thing that we have to pursue uh, is that we would pray for spiritual vision. Again, verse 
18, I pray, for the, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You see, God is calling us beyond just a matter of hearing his words, just a matter of coming to church and talking about all of the things that are available to us. I think I've said it before, but Andrew Murray wrote, about a, wrote a book called Humility, uh, an amazing book, but he talked about how uh, being a Christian for a lot of people is like when you walk down uh, you know, some sort of main street and you see these shops that have the windows in front and they have all of these things that are sitting in there and you can look through the window and see all of the things that are available to you but most Christians stand out on the stand on the outside and look in. They never step through the door to access all of the things that are available to them. You see, God wants us to step beyond just looking through a glass at all of the spiritual blessings that He has available to us, but He has provided the way through Christ, the open door for us to boldly and confidently step into the place where He dwells, where all of these spiritual riches are available to His people to step into that boldly and confidently, and lay hold of everything that he has for us. You see, if you and I pursue him in sincerity, there is not one person who doesn't have access to all that God is in Christ. Every single person. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how little education you have or how little money you have. None of that matters when we are talking about the open door that Christ has created for you and I to step in and experience and lay hold of all of the spiritual riches that are available to us in Christ. But you see, I have to have the spiritual vision to see those things that are available to me. So when we are praying then, we are praying that God would give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, so that I'm, I may know Him and then that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened to know the hope to which he has called us. You see, we have to pray that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened so that I wouldn't view things again from my own human limited vision, but I would have the vision of God to see what he has made available to me, the hope that he has for me, and how to step into those things in Christ. Uh, so we have to first pray for a vision of hope. Uh, Cambridge Bible Commentary said this about praying for the vision of hope. The, the eternal prospect opened by and connected with the effectual call of divine grace. So what he is saying by, is that what we understand that it is by the divine pity and compassion of God that he would send his son to open the door for us to step into all the spiritual blessings that are available to us. But on a daily basis then, we would be overwhelmed with joy by the prospect of all of the spiritual treasures that are available to us in Christ. You see, what he's talking about when he says that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened is that I would understand the significance of what is available to me. I wouldn't find joy in that just once in a while when I think about it, but every single day of my life I would find joy because my heart is enlightened to understand 
The hope to which I have been called, a hope that transcends this world, a hope that transcends suffering and pain and loss, a hope that transcends all of the political unrest that we see, all of the hatred of mankind, all of those things. The hope that we are called to transcends all of those things. So again, then my source of joy and life is in the place where God dwells. It is not from here. But you see, I have to have an enlightened heart through the Spirit of God to see those things in God rather than to be uh, uh, tied down and only see the things that are around me in life. Uh, Let me give a a little illustration, I guess. Uh, You know, there are different... uh, You know, sometimes on your phone you have like a news feed and and all of those kind of things. The other day I was... I was just flipping through mine, going down through article after article, just reading the headlines. It is unbelievably miserable reading all the things. Just the headlines. I mean, first of all, there's not one thing that's a positive story, ever. Uh, I mean, and all the, the virus stuff that we go, have going on now and then, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen headlines about different potential uh, uh, pandemics that could be coming. And the other day I saw an article about how a squirrel tested positive for some kind of plague. Jeez, this is... I mean, we, we live in a day where we are hammered constantly with fear. That is all that is. Why, why would somebody need to write all of those things? All of these headlines, every one of them indirectly, whether, whether they write that indirectly to cause fear or whether that is an indirect result, I can't say their motivation. I don't know that. But what it causes in the heart of man is fear. We are subjected every day, beaten down to fear, beaten down to be afraid of everything, everything that could possibly happen. And I'm not telling you to not take precautions. I'm not telling you to be foolish. But what I'm saying is we have to have an enlightened heart to recognize the hope of God, to see past all of this mess. John Lennox wrote a book on Daniel. Uh, and he talked about uh, how it's, it's like, uh, you know, if you're in a city and you experience light pollution. If you've ever been somewhere, I think of uh, especially the Dominican Republic, I remember the first time that I was there, we went out. Uh, they have like a basketball court down by the missions compound. We went down there at night, and uh, it was amazing the way that you could see the stars. I mean, just so clear uh, in being overwhelmed by the glory of God. But if you go to a city at night, you're not going to see the same thing. It's because of all the... the the way that your vision is clouded by the lights around. It is the same thing in our spiritual walk. Sometimes we have to have the spiritual vision that is given by God to see through the pollution that is around us in this world and see the glory of God. It's, if you go to a city, it's all there. The same stars are there. The same vision is there. It is just clouded by everything else. And that is exactly what happens to us in this world. You see, everything that God has is available for us to step into, but we have clouded judgment, even simply sometimes by turning on the news. Because people want to beat everyone down in fear. 
We have to have a vision of hope. We also have to have a vision of inheritance. Um, Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. First Peter chapter 3, or I'm sorry, chapter 1 says this, In his great mercy he has given us new, both, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So understanding that through Christ, Through the resurrection of Christ, we have been given an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And we've talked about this before, that the Bible says that Christ is the heir of all things that are the Father's, and we are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that has been given to Christ, you and I are heirs of the same things in Christ. That is an overwhelming thought. Everything that has been given to Christ is available for you and I in Him. Uh, heirs means uh, those who receive their allotted possession by right of sonship. You see, everything that God has made available to Christ, He has made available to those who would be His sons and daughters. God doesn't look at you and I as just another number that receives salvation. He knows you by name. He knows every sickness that you deal with every trial, every temptation that you deal with, all of your joys. He knows every one of those things because He sees you as His son or daughter. Listen, we have to, again, have this enlightened vision to see that that position is not just some theological topic, but you are adopted as His son or daughter. The God that has created all things You are his son or daughter. Not just because the Bible says, but he looks at you the same way in greater measure than the love that you have for your own children. The last thing, it's the last thing we'll talk about quickly. You have to pray for vision, pray for a vision of spiritual power. Uh, Starting in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power, and placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, we have to understand first the power of God. Psalm 147 says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Jeremiah 10 says, but God made the earth by his power and he preserves it by his wisdom. With his own understanding, he stretched out the heavens. He speaks in the thunder and the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise above the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from its storehouses. And then Job, Job chapter 26 says, the dead are in deep anguish, those beneath the waters and all that live in them. 
The realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over, over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? You see, you and I have to pray for a spiritual vision of the power that is available to us in God. The same power that he used to to speak all things into existence, to hang the earth on nothing. The same power that he used for that is available to you and I. The passage that we are reading here in Ephesians says the same same power that raised Christ's dead body up from the claim of death. That same power that he used to raise him up is available to you and I. You see, we have to pray for spiritual vision of power so that we don't walk around in weakness anymore. I'm not talking about we, we need to acknowledge our own weakness but recognizing that I don't walk in weakness because my strength now comes from the one who has had the power, who has the power to raise the dead, to hang the earth on nothing, to hold all things together. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's something like the earth is flying through space at something like 67,000 miles per hour. Right now as we sit here, all by the power of God, the same power is available To you and I. He says this. uh, To know his incomparably great power. For us who believe. God is all powerful. And his power is for us. That we would know his incomparably great power. For us who believe. You see, all of this, the point of this, why we're talking about this, is that you and I would realize the heart of Scripture, the heart of God for you and I. That we would step into that, praying those things over ourselves, over our families, our communities. You see, we don't have to come up with these huge plans. The worship team can come up as we close this morning we don't have to come up with all of these plans to try to talk people into being Christians we've got to talk to people about God but the point of all of this is what I'm saying is sometimes in our own power we to try to figure out the best ways to reach People, the best things to talk to people about, the best kind of events that we can do to try to get people to, to want to like church. We wonder what God's will is. Yeah, you will find countless Christians today, right now, wondering what is God's will for my life. This is what it is. This is His will for you and I today. This is His will for us as a church. This is His will for the community. 
This is what it is. It, we don't have to make it complicated. His will is that we would have spiritual understanding, spiritual knowledge of the power, the riches, the inheritance that is available. That is what He wants for you and I. When we pray the Scriptures, not just this one, but anything else you find in Scripture, when you do that with sincerity, you can be sure that you are praying the same heart of God. There's nothing better that we could pray than the things that we know are the heart of God. So I'm saying all of this today, as this is probably the last week that we're going to be talking about this. Um, I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I would encourage you that you would pray the heart of God that is revealed in Scriptures. I would encourage you to align yourself with God's will as revealed in Scripture. Pray that over yourself. Pray that over your family, your children. Pray that over your kids. Because they are going to be confronted with things if they are not now. They will be confronted with things that most of us can't even imagine because even I'm 35 years old and the things that are happening now were not even a thought when I was in school. Understand that we're throwing our kids to the wolves. I'm not saying just in in schools. It's it's anywhere. It's It's not a matter of the school itself. It's a matter of the environment of the people around us. I There are things... I know my sister told me of some things about a year ago that her son in kindergarten had been told by other kindergartners that I never even knew existed. Fifth and sixth grade, I never heard those things. In kindergarten, they're talking about those things. We have to align ourselves with the heart of Scripture because we don't have a choice if we want to see God move. In ourselves, in our churches, in our families, in our children. That is the, those are the things that we have to align ourselves with. We can be sure then, as we pursue the heart of God, as we pray the heart of God, that He will move. It may not look the way we want it to look. It may not be how we think things should go. But we trust God's wisdom that He will move in His power that He will accomplish His purposes in us and through us as we align ourselves with His heart. God, we thank You again today for the opportunity to look into Your Word, to understand the nature of what You have revealed about Yourself through Your Word. Father, help us to be people that would pursue You in prayer, taking the very things that You have outlined in Your Word And understanding that is your heart for us. Help us to have confidence in you. Unwavering confidence knowing that prayer moves you. But more importantly, that prayer connects our hearts directly to you. In deep communion. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do as we walk with you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand.
Cheers.